electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, the teetering tech trade. Is the worst of the selling now over, and what lies ahead for your money in that once high-flying space? We discuss and debate that key question with our investment committee. And joining me for the hour today are Stephanie Link, Jim Labenthal, Joe Terranova, and the aforementioned host of Mad Money. There he is, Jim Kramer with us. Happy to have you here, Jim. Let's check stocks. We go to the wall. I'll show you the 10-year, too, because that's very much the story. 10-year Right there, 137. So the yields dropped a little bit. We've had a nice reversal. The Dow's now up 260. NASDAQ very much front and center lately, 13,520, a nice bounce of 50 or so points. Jim, what is now the state of this tech trade? Look, I've got to tell you, I thought that that 947 bottom yesterday, some people say it could be put in by Kathy Wood. I felt it was important to mention her name because it's still 12 o'clock. We haven't gone to 1201 yet. Uh, I felt that that bottom held. Uh, I felt that this is one of those moments where you can start looking at stocks. I got to tell you something here, Scott. Zoom down 40, Lulu down 23, DocuSign down 23, Xilinx down 20, AMD down 20. There are things to buy. And we can sit here and say, well, tech's got expensive. Uh Uh-uh. What's expensive is one of my favorites, Caterpillar. I mean, I'd rather take a look at a a DocuSign down 23 than I would a Caterpillar up 100. So anyway, that's where I am. Okay, so uh, it's a very interesting take, and it's really where I wanted to go, Jim. So we're saying Kathy Wood gave us the go-ahead to buy the dip because that's basically what you're suggesting. When you look at the stocks that make up her portfolios, her ETFs, which are so closely followed. She's right. got $60 billion of AUM now. Money's been flooding in there. You said Roku's down 11% year to date, uh, week to date. Square 13, Teladoc 13, Spotify 8, Baidu 9, Zillow, CRISPR, Invitae, Shopify. All of these are the tried and true names. There are so many others, but it's okay now to buy them? I th- Look, she's been dumping Z- uh, Zillow. She's been dumping Roku selling 10 cent. I mean, uh, yeah, I think it is okay. I think you have to start somewhere. I know there's a terrific note today. Uh, Cater, you have about Apple saying it's pretty much full boat. You know what? It's 5G. The stocks come down a lot. I've been waiting for these moments. When they come down a lot, you can't just say it's got to come down more. You have to say, let's get started. There's also been a really nice reversal today. I sold Toll Brothers. I love the conference call. The stock was down because people were taking their cue from the bond market. Suddenly, the stock's going back up. So I like the tape. I like the, uh, the way it held from yesterday. Yesterday was pretty precipitous at one point. And I think there's a lot of opportunity here. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people who will say, wait a second, there is a, uh, a reopening trade and forget everything else. I'm not going there. I think there's more than just a reopening trade happening. Right okay, so Stephanie Link, I, I, I'll come to you um, next. And I, I find out today that you're trimming shares of Facebook. <gasps> you want to tell us why? 
Okay, first I'm still in it. I'm just underweighted, but I'm, I have, still have a 100 basis point bet in the name. Um, so I'm not abandoning it, but I prefer Alphabet of the fangs because I think there's more operating leverage to that story than there is at Facebook. Both are going to benefit from digital advertising recovery, right? But if you think about Alphabet's margins, their operating margins were up 700 basis points year over year last quarter, and they beat expectations by 500 basis points. So trimming some Facebook because I think up 30% in the last year. It's done what I thought, but I much prefer Alphabet. Uh, and I also added a new position. We'll talk a bit better uh, later about that. But, you know, back to Caterpillar being expensive, Jim, I, I have to take issue with that because you know better than anybody, industrials are expensive when they're troughing, right? You want to buy industrials. You want to buy cyclicals. If you think the economy is on the mend, which I very much do, interest rates are telling you that, inflation is telling you that, the Fed is telling you that, they're just being conservative. But the numbers are what the numbers are. And if you look across the board in terms of economic data points, industrial production, retail sales, how about that control group retail sales number of 11.8% year over year? That feeds right into GDP. So you, you better believe that the next couple quarters, we're going to surprise on GDP. We're going to surprise on earnings. That's why you've seen the rotation into value from growth. I do not think you abandoned tech, but I don't think you say that Caterpillar is expensive when you're at trough earnings. And most of the cyclicals are at trough earnings. And again, I go back to the operating leverage story on Alphabet. You're going to see operating leverage up the wazoo in some of these cyclical uh, look, companies. I love the leverage story for uh, Alphabet, but I've got to tell you, Deer up 30 last week. Up again today. I like the dear story because I like the complex. But you need oil to go to 70. You need to see a lot more Chinese orders. And I know you like URI, Steph. I'm presuming you still like it. But I've got to tell you, I think Caterpillar has just become a proxy. And guys, Scott, when you have a proxy, okay, it doesn't really matter what it's just like. Okay, I want that to be my proxy. And I don't like that. I like to have also the numbers to back up the proxy. Well, you, know, you know what else you could maybe say is a proxy? And oh, by the way, Caterpillar hits a new all-time high today. So, Steph, maybe that factors into what's, what Jim's talking about, too, right? You are what your record says you are. Your record says you're at an all-time high for Caterpillar, and there are still issues, you know, as Jim was just describing. Another proxy? How about Jim Labenthal Disney? Maybe that is, too, because that yeah. stock's at a new all-time high today as well, and that is very much going to tell the story in so many respects of the consumer moving forward. Yeah, and I, I really like so what Jim, just, the word he just oh. used is proxy. I, I, yeah, and I, I think that's the case with Disney as well. It's a proxy for reopening. It's a proxy for consumer uh, uh, communications, excuse me. And it's a hybrid, right, because you've got both the stay-at-home aspects, which I don't think it needs to be focused on, but the stay-at-home aspects with streaming, but it's got reopening, right? Imagine if those theme parks, which were 40% of operating income two years ago and are zero right now, imagine if those come back online this year. People are looking at 2022 as they really come back online. What if they come on back online this summer? So I think that is a proxy, and I'm okay with it. Let it run. Look, we're going to have a push and pull here as we get closer to what is, you know, a full reopen, if we want to call it that. Joe, I mentioned Disney all-time high today. Jim and Steph are talking cat. I've got Marriott at an all-time high. I've got Goldman at an all-time high. AXP. Uh, I've got Dow, Martin Marietta, Booking Holdings, Live Nation, Hilton. You get the idea of the kinds of stocks we're, we're talking about. It's economic optimism and a rotation that we have not seen since 2016. And it's a reflation rotation that is going to continue over the coming months. 
Technically, the market did exactly what it was supposed to do. Jim mentioned yesterday morning, I think Patty's got a chart for us. You've got the 50, 100, and 200-day moving averages. We touched the 50-day moving average, which is 3% lower. The 100-day moving average is 7% lower. The 200-day moving average is 12% lower. So technically, we did exactly what we're supposed to do. In terms of momentum, Scott, people think momentum disappeared. No, it just reshaped itself. Momentum is now in commodities. Momentum is now in treasuries. There is a significant short treasury trade that is now underway. So this is 2016 all over again. It's a reflation rotation. However, I agree with everyone on the panel. You do not move away from technology. And the reason you do not move away from technology is the economic optimism, it's a one-time event. The boost that we are going to get from fiscal stimulus, the boost that we are going to get from the savings rate falling, that's a 2021 event and maybe early into 2022. So while you might score GDP of 7% in 21, and maybe in 2022 you do 4%, you're going right back to 1.5%, 2% in 2023. And that's where technology holdings, you have to maintain them. Sorry. So, Jim, I'm trying to figure out, you know, if interest rates continue to go up, okay? We're, right. we were at 1.4 earlier. So we get 1.5, you get, you know, the dividend yield of the S&P 500. You've got some real competition to start talking about. What's going to be the impact to tech there? You had these, you know, we're going to talk ARC again and Kathy Wood because I think it's so relevant to what we've been witnessing within technology. You've got her flagship fund suffering the biggest outflows on record. ARC Innovation ETFs coming off the worst two-day drop uh, since September. Kathy Wood was on with us last week. She knows what's going to happen to valuations being reset if rates continue to go up. Let's listen to her, Jim, and we can talk on the other side. Here's Kathy Wood. I agree with you, Scott. There will be a valuation reset. There will be fear, I'm sure, and we will use it to our benefit, concentrating our portfolio to our highest conviction names. Uh, but I think longer term, especially given the, the powerful growth trajectories that the five innovation platforms around which we revolve all of our research, uh, that, that those trajectories are so powerful uh, that these multiples, that they, these companies are going to grow into their multiples a lot faster than most uh, investors are now expecting. And so that's a source of confidence for us. All right, Jim. So Kathy Wood, to her credit, she, she put her money where her mouth is, okay? She came right. on the show. She said, yeah, if rates go up, these stocks that I like and love are going to go down. And you know what? I'm going to go through and I'm going to buy them. And she stepped in and she bought a lot, what she called a ton of Tesla yesterday. Um, but what about the non-Teslas? What about some of the other names that you mentioned at the top and others that may have a problem? Okay. Uh, she made a cold shot on Tesla. Uh, Stephanie and I worked together for a long time. Steph, what do I think about people who make cold shots? What do I think about those people? I think it begins you with follow age, the, the people with, that know strong fundamentals. <laughs> don't be emotional. Pick your spots, right? I you mean, made you me make a list every single day. Every day you made me make a list of where I would buy a when stock. You, when you I will try never forget that. No, I'm using a new one called non-common. <laughs> it's non-common way to invest. All right, here's the problem. David Costin. She Babe Ruthed it, right? She called her shot. She, she did, yeah, Babe Ruthed yeah, it. That's always a good thing to do. Uh, it works once, uh, but there is a guy, Dave Costin, who is so funny, by the way, and we've seen him on air, and he has a list of, like, the 25 stocks that make no money, 
And that's where the pain's going to be concentrated. And I don't care if Kathy Wood has the five pillars of freedom and the five pillars of Samson and the five pillars of the Lincoln Memorial. What matters is, is that when you have stocks that are of companies that are not making any money, they are not going to do as well as some of the things that she's selling. I mean, she's selling. Sorry, Steph. I mean, she's she, I mean, she could change her mind tomorrow, but she was selling 5,500 alphabet. I, I know it's small change, but she's selling the ones that I think do well. And she's digging her heels into some of these stocks that I don't know. I, I don't want to necessarily want to buy Butterfly Networks. So I know it is. I, look, Jim, I, she I, doesn't I, want some of these companies to make money. OK, she wants them to spend money. Here, I want you to listen to this other soundbite, okay? I listen! I, I hear this other one. We have another all right, one. All right, all right, you got a new, new soundbite? It speaks to the issue. It speaks to the issue about how she's looking at some of the stocks in her portfolio and maybe how she brunts some of the criticism about, you know, high concentration, high, highly concentrated positions in some of these stocks, 10%, 15%. 20% positions that she has in some of these names okay. and how she views them. We can talk on the other side. It's exactly how uh, we invest. We want our companies to invest aggressively. We don't want profits now. We want them to invest aggressively because we're moving into many winner-take-most markets. And the autonomous taxi world is a very good example of that. That is why our confidence in Tesla, going back to the largest position in our portfolio, is so high. I mean, Jim, it goes against everything that you have well, preached about forever. Well, I mean, I, I just I like companies that are on the outlook. I, let, let's use a stock like NVIDIA. OK, I happen to think NVIDIA is a great company The report. Uh, and when they report, I think you're going to see, well, look, it looks really expensive on next year's earnings. But if you go back about four or five years, it turned out NVIDIA was selling at about nine times earnings. So I understand what, what Kathy Wood, who's now become a mythic figure, says. OK, and but is, is this the time for 908 devices? Is this when we dig in our heels with butterfly networks? Do we want to make the big bet on repair therapeutics? Stephanie, I ask you, is it time for 10x genomics? Is this the moment that we buy <laughs> beam therapeutics? Beam me up, therapeutics. <laughs> well, I mean, well I, you know me, Jim. Scott? I th you know me, Jim. I look at total addressable markets, and I understand electric vehicles in the excitement because it's going to be a $800 billion total addressable market by 2027. You could play it through Tesla. I'm playing it through Aptive, which actually trades at just 30 times earnings. It's outgrowing the market, superior technology, wonderful management. I like 5G. You could pick and choose whatever you like. I think 20 times for Broadcom with a three yield is very is, yes. is remarkably cheap. We know, he, we know he's the best CEO in the planet. And I like Talk NXPI in. as well. If you're talking about payments, I like auto for NXPI. But contactless payments is also a very strong growth in end market. And they have, they, that's about 14% of their total revenues. And so I can find other ways to play the themes that she might be playing or may not be playing at just better, in, in my mind, in just better valuations, more realistic valuations. The companies are making money, and I applaud companies that oh, make I agree. Look, Apt has been a terrific stock. You've been on it for 100 points. For me, NXP, I wish they would start giving the chips to Ford and GM. Wouldn't that help to get $2 billion more in cash flow in GM and if NXP wasn't giving the chips to somebody else? And NXP, come on this show right now and tell us <laughs> where you're giving those chips. Right now. And NXP, by the way, over, over a week's down 5.5%. Now it's getting a nice bounce, as, as you, know, you guys are, are talking about it. Joe Terranova, go ahead, then Farmer Jim. 
Yeah, I think there's something going on here that's that's absolutely revolutionary in terms of the transparency. This is the first active manager that we're able real time to understand what they're doing in a corrective environment. I reflect back to Christmas Eve of 2018. That morning, you had David Tepper on your show. And David Tepper at the time, Scott, I think he said he was nibbling at stocks. He was. Well, what did the market do? He was. I made the, the market, point, too, when David mar- Tepper nibbles, it's like most people going to a buffet, right? Okay. <laughs> Okay, but but what did, what did that do for the market, right? The, the, the market within 48 hours had found its bottom. Why? Because investors were comforted knowing that a very large active manager was in there taking the other side of the correction. We look at 13Fs all the time. You had Warren Buffett come out with a 13F last week. What's more important, Warren's 13F or what Kathy Wood is doing, the transparency there? So insider buying, the Jamie Dimon bo- bottom, This is a transparency revolution that I really think looking forward is going to impact the market. And you're going to have more active managers who are going to take this structure for managing their money. And I think that's so incredibly valuable for investors to see what they're doing real time in a corrective nature. The the most difficult decision perhaps right now for investors, Farmer Jim, is do I take advantage of some of the dips in the high-flying tech stocks that we've just talked about or... Do I go to the so-called reopen stocks that have run a lot and in Jim's mind, Jim Cramer's mind, like Caterpillar, have become expensive? Do you go to the cruise lines, which are up 48 to 50 percent this month? Do you do the casinos like MGM, Sands and Wynn, which are up 34, 35, 36 percent respectively? Do I go to the airlines, which are up at least 30 percent? Yep. What do I do? So. I know you like direct answers, Scott, and I don't think right now is the time that you load the boat on the reopening trade. Why do I say that? I'm in it, right? I'm in Alaska Airlines. I'm in Disney. I'm in GM. A lot of reopening trades, and they've run far. At some point, and probably soon, people are going to take some money out of that. What I expect them to do is look not at the high-flowing, high-flying Kathy Wood stocks. I expect them to look at the FANG stocks. I don't care. You know, Steph wants to sell Facebook. That's fine. I love she's adding she to Alphabet. It. She just trimmed They're it. She said attractively she just priced. trimmed it a little bit. I'm saving yeah, her but, from but, jumping no, in. No, no, no. I know. I know. No, no. All right. Good. That's <laughs> fine. Because I wasn't taking a shot at Steffi. Um, the point is this. The FANG stocks are attractively priced right now. So let me take your question. I'll be quick here. There's actually a third bucket between the Kathy Wood stocks and the reopening stocks. And that's the Garpy Tech stocks. You can buy those right now. Take a look at Qualcomm. Take a look at Microsoft. I think you can buy those right here. If you're already in the reopening trade, you let it run. But this is not the time that I want to start loading up. Look at where these airlines are. Look at what Alaska Airlines has done. The stock's up 125% from the lows of March. Do I really want to buy that right now? No, I'm happy holding it. Joe Terranova did. Joe Terranova did. He bought it yesterday. He bought it Monday. He he bought it Monday. He did it 5%. He did it. He did it five percentage points ago, and I love Joe's in it. I love it. He knows I'm happy he's in it. All right, the mark of Joe, that imprimatur matters a lot. But if I already own it and Joe already owns it, I don't think right now is where you want to add to it. I mean, 5% is good. I not much to make that, that difference, right? There are a lot no. of people who are, who are watching right now. You just said don't buy it to the viewers who are watching now. When I said that Joe bought it, you know, you couched it a little bit because you didn't want to make Joe feel bad. Right. I mean, so wait, there's always Scott, wait, 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 wait. There is always a third decision between buy and sell, and that is hold. I can't be any clearer in saying That's Alaska filibuster. Airlines is a hold right now. 
<laughs> it's not filibuster. It's the truth. Okay. If you own it, hold it. If you don't own it, I'd wait for a better entry price. Okay. I don't. I, that's. I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. That's very clear. Okay. Um, big cap like Microsoft, which you mentioned. So Jim Cramer, Apple's down four and a half percent over the past week. Microsoft five percent. We've talked Facebook, which is down four. Amazon four. Alphabet three. What do you do with Fang? Buy him. Pretty simple. I mean, Microsoft's really, I think, is going to have a great quarter. Uh, I'm not the least bit worried about Apple with 5G. you gotta get, you got to start somewhere. Uh, Stephanie said, I think, a lot of great things about Alphabet. I happen to like Facebook. Last night, I had ConAgra on, Sean Conley. 80% of their ad budget for ConAgra. We, we're, look, we're talking about the Slim Jim. We're, we're, we're talking about Hunt's Tomato. We're not pop popcorn. Is online. And he is a visionary, and he knows he needs to reach the millennials. He needs to reach Gen X, Gen Y. He's putting all his money on the web, in Internet. And, in, yes, it's going to be Pinterest because Pinterest is the kinder, gentler, and we've got a good Twitter meeting tomorrow. But I think Facebook is, uh, it, look, it, Facebook is inexpensive when you back out the cash. And I just think that there's, uh, nothing's a no-brainer. But uh, Facebook acts terribly. Uh, I wish that somehow Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, he, what, he's fighting with Australia. But tomorrow's like oh, Austria. I mean, they, uh, they, who knows? I mean, Venezuela. I mean, the guy has got to just take a per. He's got to take a vacation. <laughs> He's got to go to Hawaii, that but island Jim, he owns, and take a vacation and get off the headlines, and then that Jim. stock goes to 300. <laughs> it does. Look, He's I don't disagree like, with that. Strong fundamentals, Jim. You don't but, 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 Jim, 85% of, the, 85% of the sell side have buys on this thing. Like, who's not to upgrade it, right? I mean, I always like to try to find companies where, where, that are a little bit either down and out or a little bit unrecognized. I'm not saying that Alphabet is any of that. It's not. No. But I'm just saying that I think the earnings power at Alphabet is far greater, far greater. Look, I, uh, I love just Alphabet. Just given what they can do on mar- what, what, what they can do on margins. It's a fantastic yeah, opening trade. How much, you know, that's where you advertise yep. travel. I mean, it's, it's just terrific. Yep. Can I just say that last year, this week, my wife, Lisa, and I were going to take a four-day Norwegian cruise line holding trip because I think that Frank Del Rio runs an amazing, amazing outfit. The stock was at 15, then it's moved up. Now it's at 31. I totally understand. Do you want to buy that up 9%? I will tell you that he preserved the balance sheet. He didn't sit there and issue equity, equity, equity. And I bet you when we see the 2022 bookings, besides my name on it, you're going to see a lot of others because that is one great company. Speaking of, um, I guess what we can could call reopen. Uh, Steph, you bought and you sort of teased it earlier, Prudential Financial. Right. I mean, high rates go up. Obviously, it's a beneficiary there. Why else did you buy it? Yeah, well, and this is absolutely opposite of Facebook. There's only three buys on the sell side. There's only three analysts, entire Wall Street that is recommending this thing. So that's number one. They're the number one player in what they do. Life insurance, annuities, asset management. Um, They are benefit from higher rates. As you said, they have a very strong balance sheet. They just announced $10 billion of capital give back in terms of share buybacks as well as dividends over the next three years. And then they also said they have three to five billion targeted at kind of growth and markets, meaning asset management for them uh, as well as emerging markets. And so 5% dividend yield, it trades at eight times earnings, and it's still down 10% in the past year. That's where I think there's a bargain here. And you know I'm overweight financials, and I've been hesitant on the insurance guys. But with rates going higher, that's a very nice tailwind for them. Okay. And, Joe, you bought the regional bank ETF, the KRE. So give us the reason why there, and then I'll have Jim talk about both. Well, I spoke about that as a final trade on Monday. Uh, M&T and People's United, that's following along in a lot of M&A that we're finally seeing 
for the regional banks. Asset gathering is going to be so incredibly important as you continue to see yields move higher. So I wanted the broad diversification exposure. I like Regions Financial. That's one of the names in a singular capacity that I would own. But I wanted the broad exposure, so I purchased the uh, ETF that gives you the exposure to the regionals. But M&A is so important, and that's really the catalyst behind it. All right, Jim Cramer, so go to you. You know, regionals now, uh, they're real. Prudential now, they're still real? I, I think First Horizon's my favorite. It was key. First Horizon still uh, got some room to run uh, because it's got one of the best growth areas. It's expanded its, its footprint. It's taken advantage of the weakness. At three, uh, but I will say this. Steph hit me with the Prue the other day, and I said, well, wait a second, five? 5% yield, seven times earnings, and I have to listen to people talk about an expensive market? I mean, th- that's the definition of inexpensive. I grow tired of people saying well, it's a bubble. Steph, that, I-, I looked at it after you told me, and I said, wow. I mean, I was trying to figure out a way to make it come alive for, for mad money. That I couldn't think of. I'm sorry. Um, but, but, wow, that's just a great call by you, Steph. It's just a gem. Nice size. Uh, it's, it's, it's a nice well, move there, too. Let me try and get through two, two other quick names before we take a break. Joe, you sold AMD. <gasps> I, I know Kramer's oh, going to fall out of his chair. Oh, I know. I, I, I knew know. he was going to fall out of his chair. He's no. going to fall over. Why do you I know you didn't want to no, sell it. You I didn't, didn't want to sell it, but you did sell it because I, I, just talk I, to I, me. I, the, the, what, the machine the sold machi- it? The machine sold it. All right, the machine, the sold, machine it. sold it. The program sold it. I had, I had, listen, I had semi-exposure. I've had a lot of semi-exposure through Teradyne, through AMD, and I own the SMH. And from a risk management capacity, I had to stop in. I saw the trade pop up. I, was, I wanted to vomit when I saw that it did pop up. Because I love AMD, I still have SMH exposure, but you have to have some form of a risk management process. Oh, Joe, what am I going to say to Lisa Sue? What am I going to tell her after this? Yeah, that's right. I mean, just going to just say <laughs> it flat oh, out. I, I don't matter. I don't matter to her, Jim. You know, oh, uh, every shareholder matters. Nope. Yeah. I'll come up with something. You'll be okay. offline, you'll tell me what to say. I mean, look, that, that right. is <laughs> a lot of people trade that way, Joe, right? Um, you know, there's a lesson in here somewhere. You've got a loved, loved stock run by a really fabulous CEO. You may want to hold it for a long time. You've got risk management, so you've got to stop. So you get stopped out, and now you're going to miss in. I mean, you're going to have to just, you know, you have to get back in it sometime. No, I, I, I don't have to. I still, have, I still have the SMH, so I have the semi-exposure. I'm looking at Ram, uh, Lamb Research, which I know Steph owns, and she's done a great job. I think that's a fantastic name to own. I rode Teradyne all the way up from below 100 to nearly 150, so that was a, a good trade for me. Um, I've been overweight the semis. I still think that's the right trade, mm-hmm. but, Scott, I'm sorry. You just have to have a risk management process. That's how I've survived 30 years. It's not on intelligence. All right. <laughs> all right. Last word goes to Farmer Jim. Uh, naturally, Farmer Jim is buying Home Depot. Big shock. Tell us why. <laughs> Well, I, I, this seems so easy to me. This is hitting the easy button, not to mix companies up. You know I sold some cyclical stocks last month, right? I sold Cat. I sold uh, Greenbrier. We didn't talk about that. And I sold Winnebago. I'm buying a cyclical that is 10% cheaper than it was a week ago. This is a high-quality company, Home Depot. I'm just building the position. I'm probably going to build it up over the next few weeks. It's on sale, so I'm buying. All right, we got through a lot. We'll take a quick break. Much more ahead. NVIDIA earnings are after the bell. Shares doubling in a year. We got the trade from Kramer and the Investment Committee coming up next. Plus, tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern, Carl Quintanilla hosting a CNBC special report, The Path Forward, focusing on small business. Do not miss that. Again, 8 o'clock Eastern time. We are back 
in just two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, here we go. NVIDIA earnings are on deck. The high-flying chip maker up. Well, more than 100% in the last year. Not so shabby. Rahel Solomon joining us now with a preview of that. Hello. Not at all, Scott. Hello. So when NVIDIA reports this afternoon, Scott, analysts are expecting earnings of $2.81 a share on revenues of about $4.8 billion. So for the company's two biggest segments, gaming and data centers, analysts are expecting revenues of about $2.4 billion and $1.8 billion, respectively. Investors will also be looking for any remarks on NVIDIA's efforts to acquire ARM. That's as competitors raise antitrust concerns and regulators scrutinize the deal. Also watch for any commentary, commentary on the global chip shortage and any further color on the company's new chip designed for crypto mining. Now, Scott, given the recent pullback, both NVIDIA and the SMH ETF are around 5% from all-time highs that were notched earlier this month. That said, NVIDIA has been an outperformer in the past 12 months. As you just mentioned, Scott, up more than 105% versus a 75% climb for the SMH. And the street is bullish on the stock. 76% of analysts rated with a buy, 16% a hold, and just 8% with sell ratings. Of course, this is one that Josh Lipton covers very closely. So we're going to watch this afternoon for him and the team to break down those results a lot more closely, Scott. All right, Rahel, appreciate that very much. Rahel Solomon. All right, Kramer, you own it. Um, as Rahel rightly said, this thing was on a run, and then this week happened, or the last week or so, it's down about 5%. But what now? Okay, uh, Jensen Wong's going to be on Mad Money. I, I have said this on air before. He is the smartest CEO in America. Uh, he's also the most humble. Uh, he is brilliant. He's totally team-oriented. I wish he were here right now. He would fit in with our group. He is just an incredible person. This stock has not acted well after reports. There is always someone who sees some sort of data point they don't like or says, you know what, as long as, long as the arm deal is hanging out there, it's not going to do well or that the, it's now being inflated by crypto. I think they'll be very good about explaining how crypto is not important. But I have to tell you, Ray Trace is incredible what he's done with video games. It may even, it may even you know, even Ryan Cohen, the, another uh, icon of, of a whole group of people on Reddit, will have to recognize that NVIDIA is the reason why people want to play video games at this next level. Steph, I got to ask you something, because you know this. When you just saw all the buys, right? You saw 29 buys? You know that one of those people is mm-hmm. going to lower the boom on you, no matter how great the quarter is. <laughs> I know. 
There, and look, I, and I owned the, I used to own it. And, and it's just it's had a nice run up 100 percent. And as I mentioned earlier, I think on a relative basis, I prefer other names that I can I can trust the valuation. I can trust my modeling and all that. So it would be Broadcom, as we said, mentioned before, NXPI and LAM for sure, the three largest of them for me. But there's nothing wrong with NVIDIA other than the valuation. Right. And, and so it's a little vulnerable to big swings on the results. But you said it. I mean, it's gaming. It's data center. It's all the M&A that he has done to really build an empire. And oh, by the way, I think their auto exposure is, is very underappreciated as well. So this is exactly the kind of name that if you saw, if I saw this come down 10, 15, maybe 20 percent, this one I absolutely would buy, buy back. So there you go. I, I don't want it to get lost to a, a name that that Farmer Jim threw out earlier that he owns, and I'd like your take on it, Kramer, um, is Qualcomm. Right. Qualcomm is so overdone now on the sell side. I mean, I thought it was I thought that the the fabulous was worth maybe 30 points decline. I never thought it would go down 50. Uh, I just think that it's at a certain level. You just got to say, I will buy some Qualcomm. I want to go back to one that we talked about earlier today, which is Lamb Research. In many ways, this, of course, is the engine. You need Lamb. You need KLA 10 core uh, in order to be able to build, eliminate the shortage. And Lamb was down at an earlier point today. And that that was your chance. And I think Lamb is now Tim Archer. He's so good. Off to the races. I want to reiterate, NXP, please. Let our auto companies have the chips. I don't know where you're sending them, but NXP <laughs> is a stock that's going to go to 200, but not with me, not until they give Ford and GM the chips well, they need. You, you just said something <laughs> so interesting is that you had your chance, right? Yeah, and I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of the, the you know, folks who are watching us thinking, darn it, you know, I had my chance. I may have had my chance. Who knows if, if that was the real chance. I may have had my chance, you know, yesterday, um, and I didn't take advantage of it. And maybe I had my chance for a minute today and then I didn't get my chance. I didn't I didn't act on it. And now I'm watching these stocks reverse, thinking that I've got a Kathy Wood bottom in. And now Kramer's calling maybe that and some of these stocks, too. It's a well, you're you know, getting you a gift. You're getting a gift. I want to I want to disagree with you. There's a stock called AMD. <laughs> and it was killed by somebody here. Joe Terranova. Yeah, Joe killed. <laughs> Joe killed AMD. And I'm trying to resurrect it. And he I said he's not going to buy it back either. He, killed he said he doesn't have to he, buy it back. He killed AMD. I nope. mean, already. I, I favor saying that he killed AMD. He liked Churchill, right? Churchill 4, 5, 6, 7. <laughs> Which one of those killed Lucid? Anybody know? I mean, in the pantheon of tech CEOs, right, at Jensen Wong, you, you, I mean, I, I hate to say you put him at the top, but you kind of did. But I know Lisa Sue is right up there, too. So it's sort of 1A, one and one, one a, one b I don't know. There's this. Equally I, I was out at Jensen's place, and he's got grass. He, he designed, by the way, his office because he's also he, – I call him Da Vinci, okay? He designed his office. He's got grass growing on the walls. And I said, how did you do that? He goes, well, if you do this angle, this angle, this angle. I mean, you can't even understand. He's so smart, I have to stop him and say, listen, no. I mean, I just can't keep up with you. I mean, it's like when you walked into that, that – that, remember when you walked into that philosophy class in college and you realized it was mathematics? It's like, get me out of this class. It's going to ruin my transcript. That guy ruins my transcript when I talk to him. Right. He's on tonight again, Scott, right? That's what you said? He's tomorrow, on tonight tomorrow. on Mad? Tomorrow, oh, tomorrow. tomorrow, the greatest show in history. Okay, good stuff. We'll look forward to that. Up next, we have the top ETFs to watch today. And before the break, a check on the S&P sectors. We'll take you to the wall. We'll show you what's leading today in a, a nice turnaround tape for us, led by Energy and Industrials. We're back right after this break. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich 
is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here's your CNBC News update at this hour. The White House says that it plans to allocate three to four million doses next week of Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccine. That's if the shot gets FDA emergency use authorization in the next few days. Now, even ahead of that new supply, the leader of the COVID response team said that he expects an increase in the vaccination rate this week. A sixth member of the board has resigned from the power grid operator in Texas. That's as fallout continues from the devastating power failures caused by a severe winter storm. A lawyer for Bruce Springsteen says that the rock star is pleased with the outcome of today's court appearance. It was virtual, but prosecutors dropped drunk and reckless driving charges against Springsteen. They acknowledged that his blood alcohol level was well below the legal limit. And look at this video. Some might say it's a bit shocking, but body camera video released by police in Fayetteville, Georgia, shows officers pulling a driver and passenger from a burning car early Sunday. Both are in the hospital. Their conditions are unknown. Scott, I'll send it back to you. All right. Well, Rahel, thank you. Good to see you again. All right. Bob Pisani has our ETF edge now. Hey, Bob. Thanks, Scott. And welcome to the ETF edge portion of Halftime Report. Space is the place the Nassau Mars landing was successful. And while we are waiting for Kathy Wood's space ETF, there are two existing space ETFs that are raking in a lot of money. Let's talk with Andrew Channon, who runs the Procure Space ETF, the symbol's UFO. Matthew Bartolini from State Street runs the Spider Kensho Final Frontiers ETF, symbol ROKT. Andrew, your assets under management are up 200% since Kathy Wood announced she was going to start up a space ETF in January. Still, it's tough to invest in space. What can you realistically own that is pure play space investment right now? So back in 2018, when we decided to set off on the mission of creating the first pure play global space ETF, it was really important for us to find an index that actually scoured the world to find exposures to companies driving a significant portion of their revenues from space-related businesses and activities. So we're thrilled to see now that as investors are starting to awaken to the opportunities in the space industry, they're coming to UFO to look for satellite exposure, launch equipment, rockets, uh, operators and manufacturers of ground equipment and stations rely upon space-based systems. And we're, we're really looking forward to this industry as it's continuing to emerge. And Matt, the Mars Perseverance landing has got space enthusiasts like myself really excited. Many publicly traded companies that are out there uh, have been very involved in all of this, uh, and including many in your Financial Frontier ETF. Can you describe some of the ones like that were involved in this landing? I know there were some publicly traded companies that were very much a part of that. Sure. I mean, a lot of the interest in space usually goes to some of the private companies, but I think a lot, a lot of people are unaware of how many public traded companies are interacting within space exploration right now and being the suppliers and facilitators for what we're seeing go on Mars. So they have Maxar Technologies, you know, all five of the robotic arms on uh, Mars right now, including the sixth, uh, are made uh, from Maxar Technologies. And, you know, someone like Teldyne Technologies, they also had uh, supplier components to the Mars Perseverance uh, and then another one, Mercury Systems. So all of this is part of our approach in trying to scan the entire universe to not only find the pure play rocket makers, like an Aerojet Rocketdyne, but also the buyers to the ecosystem, because there's going to be so many different sort of uh, boats being uh, set ashore as far, part of the final frontiers. Yeah, it's all very, very exciting. We're going to have much more on investing in space with Andrew and Matt 
and Tom Lydon from ETF Trends, ETF Edge, that's 1 o'clock Eastern time, and we'll do some speculation on what Kathy Wood might be putting into that space ETF. That's probably happening at the end of March, etfedge.cnbc.com. Scott, back Yeah, to we're you. looking forward to that, Bob. Thank you very much. Coming up, Jim Cramer and the committee answering your questions next and Ask Halftime in just two minutes. All right, let's answer some questions now. Kramer, I'm coming to you because I got a couple on Salesforce, but I got Fergus in California who wants your thoughts before earnings. All right, here's the problem. Uh, when they bought Slack on December 1st of last year, the stock has really underperformed the rest of the group. By the way, AMD has underperformed since Xilinx, and NVIDIA underperformed since they bought ARM because people don't want to see these acquisitions. I think that this is a non-consequential quarter. I think that Salesforce is doing quite well. But what I want to see is, yes, the gauntlet being thrown down. When this Slack deal closes, it's going to be a little while. It's going to be Salesforce pitted against Microsoft like you wouldn't believe. I think Slack is a brilliant acquisition. Own it for that because Benioff has had it with Microsoft. I wonder how he's feeling, by the way, about some of those uh, charges about the cybersecurity issues, Scott, involving Microsoft. That Microsoft's been able to dodge every bullet. That is a Teflon stock. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. It did not read well. What I read I, yesterday. I had another question about a good entry point on it. Is now 239? Is, is that okay? Well, I mean, look, the, the stock just it, it, it cratered this morning at 231, but I'll say I'll say that's fine. Now, last quarter was beautiful, and the stock did not go up. So uh, understand that this is the one that has not done as well as some of the others. Uh, ServiceNow has been a better stock. Uh, uh, Bill McDermott. But I, I do think that Salesforce could have a great quarter, but I just don't think it seems to matter right now. Gotcha. It just I doesn't also, matter. Not till that deal closes. I'm sorry. I also had some questions about Boeing, um, which you tweeted just a short time ago. Uh, it's one of your favorite stocks, right? Look right. at what they've thrown at this thing. You say it keeps going up. What happens right. if it gets one piece of good news? One piece. Just one. Um, and, and I want Farmer Jim's take on it, too. But, but tell us why you like Boeing so much well, here. If they, I wonder if they ground every plane. Does it go to 300? I mean, this this thing is just so <laughs> snake bit. It is incredible. I mean, and yet, you know what? They finance very well. They refinance very well. They've got a terrific CFO. Uh, this thing cannot. Uh, if you want an opening trade that hasn't been Disneyed already, it's Boeing. And I've got to tell you, the secret here will be the fact that Ryanair, I think, is going to place some very big orders. I think that Southwest needs more planes. And I am going to go out on a limb and say that the way that China is going to make nice for the, nice for the United States is through Boeing, not through soybeans. Yeah. See, Farmer Jim, right, uh, unlike a lot of the airlines, which have had these massive moves, this hasn't really had that huge one lately. It's, you know, a uh, few percentage points up over the last three months. It's still down about 30 percent or so over the past year. It's 100 bucks off its high. You continue to love it, too? Yeah, I do. And Jim just laid it out beautifully. The only thing I will add to that is that it, the stock has shrugged off last weekend's news like nothing happened. When a stock shrugs off bad news like that and goes up, it's going to continue going up. I don't, I don't make these rules. I'm just telling you what the rules are. Yeah, and you, bought, you bought more recently, too. I should uh, let everybody know that. Kathy yeah, Wood does not a couple own weeks it. Ago. Just want to point that out. Yeah. Portnoy's not mentioned it. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Goldman cutting its outlook for gold. We'll find out how to trade that next. We'll do it right here after this break. We're back. Let's do the futures outlook now. Gold futures are falling after Goldman Sachs cuts its target on the metal, saying it is already priced in higher rates. Jeff Kilberg joining us now. It's all about Bitcoin. No one's talking about gold. So what's the trade? Well, Judge, it's interesting. You're right. And I think gold has bent 
the knee to gold. And here we are looking at the fact that it used to be the safe haven trade of gold, and now it has lost its luster to Bitcoin. But nonetheless, Judge, I run a tactical model, and we're seeing technically we've seen gold lose its luster. We go back to December of 2018, we bought gold for that tactical model, sold in Q3 of 2020, but now in our relative strength, purely technical model, it is at the bottom of the barrel. So I want to be a seller of any opportunity we get a rip in gold. It's having a hard time getting above 1800, Judge. So I'm going to be a seller at 1815. Looking for a drop down to 1775. And I'm going to have a stop at 1835. So I'm risking $2,000 to make $4,000. But remember, it's having such a hard time staying above 1800, Judge. And look where the US dollar index is. So there's a lot of moving parts. I know Bitcoin's in favor, but the technicals and the fact that it's not moving higher because the US dollar index, you have to fade gold. Killer, thank you. Talk to you soon. Jeff Kilberg joining us there. We'll take a break. We'll come back with final trades. All right, Jimmy, Jensen Wong, tomorrow night, who you got tonight? Okay, I've got MP, which is rare earth materials, which, of course, is batteries. We got to have that upwork. It's the freelance economy, not just the gig economy. I like both companies. All right. Um, let me ask you about SPAC. Uh, SPAC. I'm, I'm thinking the SPAC, which you got to talk about tonight, and then I'm looking at Square. All right. Tell me about Square, the quarter, Bitcoin, you know, the whole thing. I've been a backer of Square since 12. I did not like the quarter. Why? Well, because they're talk- they mention Bitcoin every other sentence. Enough already. Because it just should talk about the cash app. But Square's Bitcoin volume only increased 7% sequentially from the third quarter to the fourth quarter when Bitcoin went crazy. I love Lisa Ellis' stuff, partner over at, uh, at Moffitt Nathanson. I got no comfort here. I got no comfort in Square. I think it's time to move on Square. Wow. Uh, what, what has been a loved stock. Interesting. Yeah. Two million. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. I mean, give me a break. It went from being a currency to an asset during the quarter, and they're still talking about Bitcoin. They should be talking about the, the cash app. I did not like the quarter. I was almost going to ask you, Jim, you know, do, do you want your companies in your portfolio to be buying and talking about Bitcoin? No, if I, if I want Bitcoin, I'll do it like PayPal does, which is they'll facilitate for customers. By the way, I think the one of the reasons why Square lost, I, I didn't have a great Bitcoin quarter is because I think PayPal, Dan Schulman, mm. is taking that business from Square. You have a quick final trade for me? It, look, I like personal best situations, and I think Lowe's is a personal best. It's not Lowe's versus Home Depot. It's Lowe's versus Lowe's. I think Marvin Ellison's doing a remarkable job. Don't forget, planning season is Christmas season. They're going to have a great one. Buy Lowe's at this discount. You like the flats there better, too, than oh, Home Depot. Oh, my God, yes. Much better than Home Depot. <laughs> I'm trying to play your game there. All right, uh, Stephanie Link, what do you got? IBM, new CEO, new regime, focusing on growth, 11 times earnings, 5.5 yield. Okay. Uh, name from you, Pharma Jim, then a name from Joe. Raytheon Technologies. Hmm. Zebra Technologies. All right, guys, good stuff. Thanks so much for watching The Exchanges now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself.
Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.